And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's part one of a two-part sci-fi story on CBS Radio Workshop, starring William Conrad from 1956. But first, it's TV Jeopardy. Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular TV shows. I'll try to name the show while you play along at home, right, Lisa? That's exactly right, Carl. So, um, this edition of TV Jeopardy, we've got theme songs of TV shows. Okay. But not just regular TV shows. All right. These are some of my favorite TV shows oh, growing okay. up. Yeah. All so right. So I will share them with you and take okay. a trip down memory lane. Right. Here is one of my first very favorite television show theme songs. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. I mean, just hearing that makes me all warm and fuzzy. Does it? Mm-hmm. Brings I'm glad me it back. has that effect on you. Brings me back to Saturday night lineup. Yeah. Really? Was it on Saturday nights? I think so. It was this and some of the other ones that I have coming up. So I know that one. That is the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Boy, did I love her. Uh, That's exactly right. The Mary Tyler Moore Show aired on CBS from 1970 to 77. And of course, uh, Mary Richards, an independent, strong young woman. So she was sort of a trailblazer for young women. Sort of like you. Yeah, well. sort of, sort of, not exactly, but close. <laughs> and um, you know, we talk about her boss, uh, Lou Grant. Lou Grant. <laughs> so all the yeah. time, he does Ed Asner. Ed Asner, and um, some of the greatest uh, supporting cast on here: Betty White and uh, Ted Knight, and, and and others. So yeah, it was it, it, it was really was oldie, but a goodie. I haven't seen an episode in so long, but I know it's in syndication. I should watch. I, I do watch it from time oh, yeah. to time, and I still yeah. enjoy it very much. All right. All right, here's my next. I don't think you like this one as much as I do. Okay. I think this was on right after the Mary Tyler Moore show. I think this mm. followed it. Um, the only thing I can think of, and I'm probably wrong, is this the Bob Newhart it show? It sure is. It, it is? It is. You're kidding uh, me. No, no, and this opening was filmed in Chicago. Are you kidding me? No, it's true. I you guess can see, it, like, the right? bridge on Wacker Drive wow. and everything aired on CBS from 72 to 78. And if I remember correctly, it went right from the Mary Tyler Moore show to the Bob Newhart show. Probably. Yeah, and this, of course, comedian Bob Newhart starred right. with the whole cast of characters. Wow. Yep. 
it kind of reminds me a little bit when you talk about Fibber McGee and Molly because you yeah. know, the whole cast of characters around that would around come, over, that would come over and, and sure. they were funny they probably and had very distinct characters. Yeah, it was inspired probably by Fibber McGee be, and it Molly. It does remind me a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, you're so, right. I a think lot you're of right, the situation comedy yeah. there. Okay, here's the next one, another Saturday night lineup. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Exciting and new. Okay, I got it now. <laughs> Come aboard. Yeah, it's a dead giveaway. We're expecting you. All right, so that's the love, the love boat. boat. Right, and now I think about it, I, I must have been very popular in my 70s because I was home watching all yeah, of these shows, sure. enjoying myself, ABC 77, 86, and of course there were some specials as well. And we have Gavin McLeod again, Captain Stubing. Captain Stubing. Yes. So about the Board of Pacific I, Princess. I always watched Love Boat. This was and a great show. And then after Love show. Boat was always Fantasy Island. Yeah, Love is exactly Boat and right. then Fantasy Island. That is exactly right. Yeah. And speaking of Fantasy Island, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. That's right. The I, plane. The plane. The plane. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like this was my life. I used to really? just stay home and watch all these shows. Yeah, you are a real go-getter. I was a real go-getter. <laughs> You're a real... You I did a... have friends over. We did yeah. it together, but this Here, is what I did. Here's Lisa. Hey, Linda and Jill and Tony. Watch you come over to the house. We're going to watch Love Boat Fantasy and Island. Fantasy Island. And we'll make some popcorn. Click. Wait, I used to make and... Jiffy Pop, you know, on the stove. Where yeah, you, you shake pop. it on, sure. on the stovetop. That was fun. The and there it is. The so plane. Mr. Rourke and his assistant Tattoo. Her Valiches. Yeah, I didn't know how to pronounce the last name. Something like that. Yeah. And, and the guests all came and had fantasies. What yeah. a show. All right, I've got one more. Okay. And this is the... Wait, uh, did I get that one? You did. This is okay. the uh, icing on the cake or the cherry on top. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bum. <laughs> <laughs> So, the best of the best, the Dick Van Dyke right, show Dick Van Dyke. on CBS from 61 to 66. You didn't even give me a chance to. I know, but I, knew it. I, I saw it in your eyes. A shot at Desilu Studios. Really? Greeted by Carl Reiner. They're not Reiner. bloodshot? What? They're not bloodshot right now in my eyes? I didn't get any sleep. Oh, I can't even see them. They're so small. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have yeah. one, more, one more quick clip for you. Yes. Can't end it without, can't end it without this. All right. Oh yeah! I had to had to end with. This is the best show. This is the best this show. This is probably ever. the funniest show of all time. If Agreed. I had a, if I had a, you know, this Jackie one, Gleason. Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, enthusiasm. and I The agree. Office. Jackie Gleason and in, Two and a Half Men. I'm not going to agree with you on the last one. Oh, but, two and a half. And the name men. of the show is The Honeymooners. Honeymooners from 55 to 56. Yeah. Uh, created by and starring, of course, the Jackie one and only Gleason. Jackie Gleason. Yeah. What a show. And uh, there you go. Some of my favorite theme I songs. I had will... lunch with Joyce Randall. Oh, can you imagine? Lunch with Joyce Randall. I would have loved to have been there. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Long, long time ago. She was as sweet as possible. Can be. She was Aww. a sweetie pie. Uh, I believe so. That. Nice. All right. When we come back, it's part one of a two-part CBS Radio workshop, an Aldous Huxley sci-fi drama. You won't want to miss it. Stick around.
More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Hi, this is Hollywood 360. We're broadcasting on hundreds of radio stations, coast to coast. My team, Lisa Wolf. My co-host, and then our executive producer is the one, the only, Mike Bubblebath Costella. Uh, we have my crabby brother, Vince. Of course, Carl Shadow helps out a lot. Your dog, Simba. You know, yeah, uh, He's a good helper. Yeah, he is. Right. He um, Absolutely. We're going to start things off with CBS Radio Workshop. This was an anthology drama that came to CBS Radio in 1956. So it came really late in radio's life. Too bad, too, because... It was quite the series, billed as radio's distinguished series to man's imagination. What about women? Yeah. Yeah, man and women. Man, I'll throw, I think throw, that's the, yeah, a maybe. universal I word guess. for humans. But it doesn't sound, uh, in today's day and age, no? it sounds no. not politically correct. That's right. You're learning, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> revival. It was a revival of the earlier Columbia workshop, and it used some of the same writers and directors, and it dramatized the works of Robert A. Heinlein, Sinclair Lewis, Edgar Allan Poe, Frederick Pohl, James Thurber, Mark Twain, many, many others. And it employed the best radio actors uh, of their time. William Conrad, Elliot Lewis, Paul Fries, Hans Conried, many, many more. Its opening episode, okay, was a two-parter. So on January 27, 1956, the very first episode, they had part one of basically an hour-long story dramatizing the dystopian novel written by Aldous Huxley called Brave New World. I remember having to read this in high school. It's kind of a creepy, scary story set in a futuristic world state. Um, William Conrad is the narrator. You will actually also hear Aldous Huxley on this talking, too. And it has a ton of actors. I mean, too long to even read right now. But um, you're going to hear part one, and then in our next hour, we'll hear part two. But here's part one from January 27, 1956, of Brave New World on CBS Radio Workshop. Ladies and gentlemen, the distinguished author, Mr. Aldous Huxley. Brave New World is a fantastic parable about the dehumanization of human beings. In the negative utopia described in my story... Man has been subordinated to his own inventions. Science, technology, social organization, these things have ceased to serve man. They have become his masters. A quarter of a century has passed 
since the book was published. In that time, our world has taken so many steps in the wrong direction that if I were writing today, I would date my story not 600 years in the future, but at the most 200. The price of liberty and even of common humanity is eternal vigilance. CBS Radio, a division of the Columbia Broadcasting System and its 217 affiliated stations, present the premier broadcast of the CBS Radio Workshop, radio's distinguished series dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. Tonight, part one of two half-hour programs devoted to one of the world's most shocking and famous novels, Aldous Huxley's terrifying forecast of the future, Brave New World. We are proud to have Mr. Huxley as narrator for these broadcasts. Original music is composed and conducted by Bernard Herrmann. This is Aldous Huxley, and these are the sounds of the brave new world, of test tube and decanter, of hissing injectors and gurgling blood substitute. The year is AF 632, 632 years after Ford. We are inside the London Hatchery and Conditioning Centre, and this is the fertilising room, an enormous laboratory where the temperature is never allowed to fall below 98.6. And here comes the director of hatcheries and conditioning in person, bringing with him a group Tomorrow, of young students. Tomorrow you'll be settling down to serious work. Today I just want to give you a general idea of things. Uh, these are the incubators, and here is the weak supply of over, kept at blood heat. Uh, come along, boys. Now here, we immerse the eggs into a warm bouillon containing free-swimming spermatozoa. Immersion continues until the eggs are all fertilised. Ah, and over here, here is where we bottle the alphas and betas. In short, gentlemen, the perfect process for manufacturing healthy babies. Are there any questions? Uh, sir, uh, will you explain the uh, Bakanovsky process? I'm glad you asked that. Uh, students, take this down. Bakanovsky's process. Where in olden times, one egg made one embryo which made one baby. Today, we've improved on all that. Now the egg will bud, will divide, from eight to 96 buds, and every bud will grow into a perfectly formed embryo, and every embryo into a mature baby, making 96 human beings grow where only one grew before. Progress. But uh, what advantage is it, sir? Uh, I mean... Uh... Oh, my good boy, can't you see? Where in olden times nature allowed us only to have twins or perhaps triplets or so, today we can create scores, yes, scores of identical individuals. We can manufacture men and women in uniform batches. Think of it. An entire factory staffed with the product of one single egg. 96 identical individuals working 96 identical machines. At last, society really knows where it stands. Remember, it was our Ford who gave us the concept of the assembly line when he was on Earth many centuries ago. 
And now, boys, we will go up to the bottling room where we shall see how we create each class of society. Alphas, betas, deltas, etc. Come with me. Well, Danina. Oh, director. Oh, charming, charming. Ah. What are you injecting into our embryos today, my dear? Typhoid antitoxins? Yes, sir. Are you uh, busy this afternoon? Oh, not after five, sir. Good. Suppose we get together then on the roof. That would be fine. I've admired you for some time, Lenina. I'm looking forward to a closer acquaintance. Thank you, sir. And now, boys, we're off to the bottling room. You are a lucky girl. The director of hatcheries and conditioning. Oh, hello, Fanny. Oh, you can trust the director to be the perfect gentleman. I saw him pat you. He wants me. You see? That shows what he stands for. The strictest conventionality. And it's about time you started belonging to someone else, my dear. But I like Henry Foster. We've only been with each other four months. Four months? Well, what would the district world controller say? You know how he disapproves anything intense or long-drawn. And it isn't as though there were anything painful or disagreeable about being with one or two other men besides Henry. After all, everyone belongs to everyone else. You're quite right, Fanny, as usual. Good girl. Uh, Fanny, do you know Bernard Marx? <gasps> Bernard Marx? Well, why not? Bernard's an alpha plus. Besides, he asked me to go to New Mexico, to the Savage Reservation with him. But his reputation. They say he doesn't like obstacle golf. Oh, they say, they say. And that he spends most of his time by himself alone. They say somebody made a mistake when he was still in the bottle. Thought he was a gamma and put alcohol into his blood substitute. That's why he's so stunted. Oh, what nonsense. Oh, very well, Lenina. It's your life, my dear. But I think you're heading for trouble. And here we have the bottling room. Little embryos carefully bottled being rocked gently to and fro as they did in olden days when carried by their mothers. <gasps> now, boys, you must learn to distinguish between smut and science. I am going to use that word again. As scientists of tomorrow, you must learn to cope with it. Mother. Oh. <coughs> there, that's better. As a matter of fact, there is an area in our world where humans are still viviparous, still give birth to their children. The Savage Reservation in New Mexico. I uh, visited there once myself many years ago. Dreadful, filthy place. Naturally, civilization has improved on all that. Ah, it is here we control the embryo's growth, each batch carefully regulated to produce the exact class of citizen we desire. And here is our Mr. Henry Foster in charge of bottling. Oh, Henry. Uh, yes, sir. Please explain the process to the students. Oh, delighted, sir. By the way, Henry, before you begin, I made a date with Lenina Crown this afternoon. Oh, really? I'm delighted, sir. I'm sure you'll enjoy belonging to her. Good. Very pneumatic girl. Now, please proceed. This way, gentlemen. Here, we advance the process. One by one, the eggs are transferred from their test tubes into these larger decanters and moved along to the labelers, carefully labeled as to heredity, date of fertilization, sex, name, serial number. Gentlemen, there are 88 cubic feet of card index in this room. Now, here is where we actually predestine and condition. 
Nothing is so unstabilizing to society as unhappy people. We avoid all that by preconditioning our embryos. And now we are entering the heat conditioning room. Hot tunnels alternating with cool tunnels. Exposure to cold is accompanied by exposure to x-rays. By the time these babies are decanted, they have a perfect horror of cold. Thus, they are perfectly prepared to emigrate to the tropics to be miners and acetate silk spinners and steel workers. And that, that is the secret of happiness and virtue, liking what you have got to do. All conditioning aims at that, making people like their unescapable social destiny. Oh, ten to three, boys. Time to visit the nurseries. And so the director continued on his tour. Meanwhile, in his rooms high above the city, Bernard Marx nervously paced the floor. I'm taking Lenina Crown in New Mexico with me, Helmholtz, to the Savage Reservation. Well, it's about time. What do you mean by that? I'll be frank, Bernard. There's been a lot of talk about your behavior at the College of Emotional Engineering. Of course, I've been defending you. And I'm but... supposed to be grateful? Because you're a successful feelies writer? Because you're tall, well-built, have all the girls you want? Oh, Bernard. Now, you know how I feel. I want to write. I mean, seriously, not slogans or feelies. I, I want to write something important. Uh -huh. now, lately, I've been cutting out my committees and my girls. The director called me in just the other day. Are you in trouble, too? There's a poem I wrote, too emotional, he said. Mm. He gave me the lecture about being an alpha plus, about remembering to behave even as a little infant. I know. I tried to explain to Lenina, but she doesn't understand, or won't understand. All those other men she belongs to, Henry Foster, Benito Hoover, they treat her like, like a side of beef. It's disgusting. It's socially proper. We share and we share alike, remember? But I want her for myself, alone. Bernard... You're my closest friend. Now, you listen to me. You can't win this way. Follow the rules. Play the game. Be happy. Oh, man. Very interesting story, right, Lisa? Yes. I don't usually appreciate science fiction, but this one um, I am appreciating. Very <laughs> we'll get creepy. Back to Brave New World by Aldux Huxley, who is the narrator of this show. We'll get back to it in just a minute. Stick around. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535.
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. There's not a week that goes by, Lisa, that um, we don't get emails from people saying, oh, man, uh, we know you do a five-hour show in our station here in Milwaukee or wherever, you know, or whatever it is, you know. Phoenix. Um, Biloxi, Mississippi, or wherever it is, Los Angeles, New York. You only They only carry four hours, and they only carry three hours, whatever the case is. So, you know, we, we knew this going in. You know, we're, this is a syndicated show. We do the show live. We are live right now doing the show across the country on uh, several hundred radio stations, and not all of them carry the full five-hour show. So what we need you to do out there in Radio Land, if you're not getting the full five-hour show, why don't you contact your station? That would help because I got to tell you, program directors want to hear from listeners. They want to hear what they like, what they don't like, you know, how they can improve the radio station. So if you want to let them know, hey, I really like this show. We're missing, you know, you're only carrying three hours. Can you carry the full five hours? That would help us because you'd get to hear the show, the full five-hour show. Now, until that happens, or if it never happens, we have a solution. We do offer this show, the full five-hour show, on a podcast that is sent to you. It's an, it's a digital link that we can send you every Monday. So we do the show on Saturday, and by Monday we can send you an email that has a digital link to the show, and the link never expires. So you can hear the full five-hour Hollywood 360 show. We also tack on to that at the very end our Radio Rarities podcast. Uh, and that is a, a show that Lisa and I co-host. Mike produces, Carl Shadow writes. And uh, that's where we take a very unique classic radio show, talk all about it, and play it. Now, Radio Rarities, FYI, is available everywhere podcasts are heard. So you can just search it and hear it. But we send you the latest one as part of the Hollywood 360 show. You can sign up. Two ways. There are two ways to sign up for Hollywood 360, getting the email. You can go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. That's Hollywood360radio.com. The very top of the site is how you can sign up. Or if you want to speak to a live operator and have that operator sign you up, answer any questions you might have, just call 815 900 Seven five three five. Give you the number again. It's eight one five nine hundred seven five three five. If a live operator doesn't answer, just leave your name and telephone number, and someone will get back to you. And oftentimes, Lisa or I will call you back because we uh, we like to give the operators a break, and we call back, and we love talking to our listeners, so we may call you back. Um, but anyway, that's how you can get it, right, Lisa? Right. And, and we, if you call during the show, uh, we try to make some time during the radio shows and, and call you back. So if you'd like to sign up, we would be happy to help you. Yep, that number once again, 815-900-7535. We're listening to a very interesting um, futuristic Story And it's really incredible when you think about it. Aldux Huxley wrote this in 1931. It was published for the first time a year later, 1932. And at the very beginning of the story, he said, you know, it's been 25 plus years since this story came out. And if I were to write it today, I would not set it 600 years into the future. I'd probably set it only 200 years in the future. 
uh, which is uh, pretty prophetic when you think about mm-hmm. it, right? Especially what's going on in the world now with AI and with uh, cloning and all the crazy stuff. So we're listening to this Brave New World. This is part one. In our next hour, we will hear part two. But here's the, con- uh, here's the conclusion now of part one of Brave New World on CBS Radio Workshop. The nursery was on the fifth floor. The sign over the door said, Neo-Pavlovian Conditioning Room. It was a large, bare room, very bright and sunny. Half a dozen nurses, trousered and jacketed in the regulation white viscose linen uniform, were engaged in setting out bowls of roses in a long row across the floor. The nurses stiffened to attention as the director of hatcheries and conditioning came in, followed by his students. Set out the books. In silence, the nurses obeyed his command. Between the rose bowls, the books were duly set out. Now bring in the children. They hurried out of the room and returned in a moment, each pushing a kind of tall, dumb waiter, laden on all its four wire-netted shelves with eight-month-old babies, all exactly alike, a Bokanovsky group, and all, since their caste was Delta, dressed in khaki diapers. Put them down on the floor. Now turn them so they can see the flowers and books. Turned, the babies at once fell silent, then began to crawl towards those clusters of sleek colours, those shapes so gay and brilliant. From the ranks of the babies came little squeals of excitement, gurgles and twitterings of pleasure. The swiftest crawlers were already at their goal. Small hands reached out uncertainly, touched, grasped, unpetaling the roses, crumpling the illuminated pages of the books. Watch carefully, students. All right, nurses, pull the lever. And now we proceed to rub in the lesson with a mild electric shock. All right, take them away, nurses. Observe. Henceforth, books and flowers will be associated in their minds with loud, unpleasant noises and electric shock. And after 200 repetitions of the same or a similar lesson, will be wedded forever. What man has joined, nature is powerless to put asunder. They'll be safe from books and botany all their lives. But, sir, since these are lower caste children anyway and will never read, why bother to condition them against flowers? Simple economics. If gammas, deltas, or even epsilons like flowers and nature, soon you'd see them wasting their time visiting the countryside. And of what economic use is that? A love of nature keeps no factories busy. It was decided to abolish it, at least among the lower classes. Uh, Any further questions? Uh, Sir, uh, would you tell us about sleep teaching? I'm glad you asked that. The most ingenious development of all, sleep teaching, is given to all our children as they grow to maturity. A little voice murmurs slogans in their ear all the night long while they sleep. Of course, it's useless for teaching, but as a method for giving post-hypnotic suggestions, it is invaluable. It's what conditions our minds to love our future role in life. Now, boys, uh, tell me some of the lessons we've all learned through sleep teaching. A gram is better than a dam. A good example. 
We have learned to take a gram of soma whenever we feel out of sorts. Euphoric, narcotic, pleasantly hallucinant. It transports our minds into a beautiful sleep filled with wonderful images. It gives a, a soma holiday, thus preventing unnecessary impulses such as anger, jealousy, envy, anxiety. Um, next. Uh, ending is better than mending. Good. It's better to throw away something than to repair it. New clothing, new possessions keep our factories humming and make us happier. Next. I'm glad I'm not a gamma. Ah, yes. We're all taught in our sleep to enjoy our own cast, whatever it may be. Gammas are taught to think I'm glad I'm not an epsilon. Betas learn to be glad they're not deltas or gammas. And glad they're not alphas, because we alphas sometimes have to use our minds, and that's very painful. <laughs> very good, very good indeed. Well, students, I think our tour is over for today. I'm sure most of you have dates with pneumatic young ladies. Some, of course, will be wanting to get in a game of obstacle golf. But uh, before we finish, I'd like to add a few footnotes to the things you've seen today. Today, we have a controlled society, a happy society. We have stability. Ah, there was a time when these things did not exist. Didn't people grow old and feeble in those days, sir? Indeed, they did. Old men in the bad old days used to renounce, retire, take to religion, spend their time reading, thinking, thinking. Oh. Now such is progress. At 60, we have the taste and the powers of a 17-year-old. The old men have no time, no leisure from pleasure. Not a moment to sit down and think. They're much too busy scampering from feely to feely, from girl to pneumatic girl. Fortunate boys, no pains have been spared to make your lives emotionally easy, to preserve you as far as possible from having emotions at all. Ford's in his fliver, all's well with the world. Ford's in his fliver, all's well with the world. And solemnly and devoutly they made the sign of the tea and hurried off to join their fellow citizens at play. In spite of Fanny's dire warnings, Danina Crown made a date that evening with the eccentric Mr. Marks, partly to show Fanny her courage and partly because she was curious. When they were safely in their helicopter and climbing above the city, she turned to him. Shall we play escalator squash or go to the feelies? Escalator squash is a waste of time. But what else is time for? All right, then, let's go to the feelies. You know, they're showing love on a bearskin rug, and everyone says it's terribly exciting. You can Lenina, actually please, feel... couldn't we just go for a walk and be alone together? But, Bernard, we'll be alone all night. Well, I, I, I meant alone for talking. Talking? What about? Oh, you're beginning to feel nasty, I can tell. Take a soma, Bernard. I'd rather be myself, myself and nasty, not somebody else, however jolly. A gammon nine saves nine. Oh, for Ford's sake, be quiet. Bernard. Lenita, don't you ever want to be just you? Not enslaved by your own conditioning to be free? But I am free. I'm free to have the most wonderful time. Everybody's happy nowadays. But wouldn't you like to be free to be happy in your own way and not somebody else's? I simply don't understand you. Bernard, do you really like me? Everyone says I'm awfully pneumatic. 
Eventually, Bernard took Lenina to the Westminster Abbey Cabaret, where Calvin Stopes and his 16 saxophonists were playing. Also featured was London's finest scent and colour organ and all the latest synthetic music. With the aid of four Soma tablets, Bernard managed to spend a successful evening with the girl, and the next morning he agreed to apply at once for a permit to visit the Savage Reservation. He was quite nervous as he stood before the large desk of the Director of Hatcheries and Conditioning. Ah, oh, going to take Lenina Crown, I see. Yes, sir. Very pneumatic. Uh, uh, yes, sir. New Mexico Reservation. How long ago was it? Let me see. Twenty, twenty-five years? Hmm. I must have been your age then. Uh, sir? I had the same idea as you. Wanted to have a look at the savages. Got a permit for New Mexico and went there for my summer holiday. With my girl at the moment. She was a beta minus, I think. Oh, yes. She had yellow hair and was especially pneumatic. Well, it was terrible. We rode about on horses and all that, and, and the last day of our stay, she got lost. Somewhere in those horrid mountains. Lost. We never did find her, poor girl. Must have fallen in some crevice. Yes, we searched for days, but no luck. Uh, miserable trip. Oh, you must have had a terrible shock. What? Oh, don't imagine there was anything unethical about it. Nothing emotional or long-drawn. It was all perfectly healthy and normal. I'm sure it was, sir. What's that? Oh. Mr. Marks, I should like to take this opportunity of saying I'm not at all pleased with the reports I receive of your behavior outside working hours. Alphas are so conditioned that they do not have to be infantile in their emotional behavior, but that is all the more reason for their making a special effort to conform. And so, Mr. Marks, I give you fair warning. Uh, yes, sir. If ever I again hear of any lapse from a proper standard of infantile decorum, I shall ask for your transference to a subcenter, preferably to Iceland. Good morning. The journey was quite uneventful. The Blue Pacific rocket lost four minutes in a tornado over Texas but was able to land at Santa Fe less than 40 seconds behind schedule. Lenina and Bernard slept that night at Santa Fe, and Lenina was very happy. Imagine 60 escalator squash racket courts in the hotel and obstacle and electromagnetic golf, too. Oh, Bernard, it's simply too lovely. Uh, there will be no scent organs, television, or even hot water once we get out on the reservation. I can stand it. You'll see. Only... Progress is lovely, isn't it? They took a rocket ship into the interior, and from there they traveled on horseback. And all Bernard could think about was Iceland, and how cold and barren it would be. The director's warning had made him even quieter and more sullen than usual. And then, that evening, they reached their destination. Before them was the village of Malpais, situated on a mesa. Adobe hovels growing out of the stony ground, dust and squalor, and the smell of wood smoke. What an awful place. I don't like it. Who's that man coming toward us? He used to be our guide. I I'm frightened, Bernard. Quiet. We shouldn't have come. Oh, good morrow. 
You're civilized, aren't you? You come from outside, from the other place? My name is Bernard Marx. This is Lenina Crown. Hmm. My name is John. Come with me. He speaks English. That's strange. Probably trained as a guide. Where is he leading us? To that hut, I believe. Uh, there seems to be some sort of activity over there. Orgy! Orgy! Why, it's like our lower caste community sing. Only look, now they're beating themselves with whips. Oh, no, Bernard! It's got something to do with their religion. What a wonderful intensity of feeling it must generate. I often think one may have missed something in not having passions like that. Nonsense! Bernard, what's wrong with that man? Where? Oh, he's just old, that's all. Old? But but we don't look like that when we're old. He's so wrinkled, so... Oh, it's horrible. That's because we age all at once. We stay 17 until we're 60 or so, and And then... And then we die, and they burn our bodies and recover the phosphorus for the good of the world state, just as it should be. But this... (gasps) What is it? That... That woman! Oh, Bernard, no! Take me away! Take me away! She's only nursing her baby, Lenina. That's her child. She's the mother. Bernard, how can you be so vulgar? I think I'll be sick. Please, Bernard, anywhere. Anywhere. Is something wrong? I think we'd better take Lenina inside. Over here. Follow me. My Soma. I'm out of Soma. Bernard. I'm sorry, Lenina. I didn't bring him. Here. Inside. This is my home. This is my home. You are welcome to remain here. John? John? Yes, Mother? Mother? These are people from the outside, Mother. They have come to see the reservation. From the other place? You're from the other place. Don't come near me. But don't you see? I'm from there, too. I'm civilized. I don't belong here. It's it's all a terrible mistake. This is my mother, Linda. Uh, Were you born here? No. No, I tell you, I was decanted like normal people. Oh, thank Ford, someone has come. At last, thank Ford. Bernard, Bernard, please keep her away. Could you tell us about yourself, please? Well, I came here 25 years ago with a man. His name was Thomas. We went riding together on, on horses. There was a terrible storm. I got lost, lost in this horrible place. It was the last day of our stay. He left me here, alone. Lenina? Yes? Uh, You will be interested to know that our director of hatcheries and conditioning is named Thomas, and that he came here 25 years ago. Oh, no, no. And that... It can't be. But it is. He told me so himself. (laughs) What a discovery. This boy... This boy is our director's son. Our director is a father. Oh, it's too horrible. <laughs> Mother, what is he saying? <laughs> Iceland. Iceland, indeed. Bernard, stop it. Well, we'll see who tells who where to go now. Uh, John. Yes, sir? How would you and your mother like to return to civilization? Do you mean it? Oh, please, do you? Listen, they're crazy here. I was a beta minus. I always worked in the fertilizing room. I was a good worker. But how can I tell them? They don't understand. They mend things. They don't know what a helicopter is or, or, or Soma. They have babies, like dogs. Oh, it's too revolting. Oh, thank Ford. If it hadn't been for my son, for John. 
What a comfort he has been to me. Your son. How can you? You were beta minus. I know, I know, but he's been a comfort to me just the same. If only I'd had Soma. Oh, do you mean it? Will you take us back to civilization? <laughs> of course. Uh, we'll leave tomorrow. <laughs> you and your son. Back to civilization. <laughs> And Bernard was as good as his word. That very night, he and John and his mother and Lenina took the Blue Pacific Rocket to London. For Lenina, it was a happy trip since she had taken four somers the minute they got back to the hotel. For John, it was a voyage of discovery. Poor Linda, his mother, could only weep for joy. But for Bernard, it was a moment of triumph. Triumph such as he had never known before. Brave New World, Part One, by Aldous Huxley. A startling, shocking account of what can happen to our civilization 600 years in the future. And more importantly, a warning to all of us against the destruction of moral standards, family life, and the soul of man. Join us next week when we will continue with part two of Aldous Huxley's terrifying forecast of the future of what could become the brave new world. Presented on the CBS Radio Workshop. The CBS Radio Workshop is produced and directed by William Frug. Brave New World was adapted for radio by Mr. Frug. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns, Bill Idelson, Gloria Henry, Charlotte Lawrence, Byron Kane, Sam Edwards, Jack Crucian, Vic Perrin, and Lorene Tuttle. Original music composed and conducted by Bernard Herman. This is the CBS Radio Network. All right, that's CBS Radio Workshop, part one of Brave New World, January 27th, 1956. We will have part two in our next hour, but right now it's time for this month in music history. All right, I have a quick clip of a 1970s song I think you'll appreciate. Oh, yeah. Nothing from nothing nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something. You want to me. Recorded by Billy Preston for his 1974 nothing album, The Kids and Me. The song reached number one on the Billboard chart. Great, great. tune. Oh, it's a great tune. Excellent too. song, Lisa Wolf. Sure. All right, more of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Lisa's really enjoying this brave new world. She's like, oh, be quiet. I want to listen to this. Well, you talk too much. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> We'll have part two in our next hour. We're also going to play Beat the, the host. host. Right. It's all about Paul Anka. Mm. He was born July 30th of 1941. So he's turning 82 this month. Right. So ah. we need a caller to play the game, be on the air, win a prize. It's all true or false. 
Give us a call at 312-642-5600. Looking for caller number 9. 312-642-5600. Don't be shy. Play the game. Call us. Play Beat the Host. It's all true or false, sure. right? Lisa? Oh, and it's man. fun. And We're fun. And you'll win a prize. <laughs> See you soon. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.